all the guests that are here, we want to thank you. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for the love of the Savior, for the tremendous devotion, for those that will be participating in prayer after the service, for those that have volunteered, for the Shelfer's event yesterday on healing from abortion. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and for the event, the participants, those that gathered there. We are praying today that, Lord, for lives to be touched and changed. Today, as we hear the word of God, we pray that our hearts will be open, our ears attuned and attentive to all that you have. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to be reading Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 14, and then we'll have some other passages. I'm continuing with our theme, No Deviations. No deviations. And I forgot, Sister Rhonda, she be help, she's helping on, on the pantry and too as well. Samantha was actually before going on vacation. Samantha was our, she was here every day or the days, well, was it? Yeah, every day. And so when she was taking vacation, we had others to help. But Samantha has helped. Sister Glory, just again for everyone. And then Rhonda just comes behind the scene and just does what she just needs to do. <laughs> Thank you, Rhonda. No, I know a little bit. Thank you. And then my wife just goes work quietly, order all the things for the church that's needed. Everything behind the scenes. Stays late on Sundays while everybody's gone. Downstairs taking care of business. No deviations part five. How many of you all have had deviations in your life before? Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. This is how it reads. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars. Evil brutes, lazy gluttons. (laughs) This testimony, Paul says, is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Today we're going to pick up with point three of No Deviations. and And the point is, silence the troublemakers. Hmm. Silence the troublemakers. Titus chapter 1 verse 10 says, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. For there are many. It is undetermined just how many people Paul is referencing and talking to Titus about that were causing problems in the church. Crete was a very young church, or it is believed, um, as Paul often in his, in his message to Timothy gave the, the word that those that are put into leadership must not be novices, but he does not give such a word when speaking in the book of Titus or giving instructions to Titus. Therefore, given the belief that the church was young. When you look at the church, the churches that were Christian, they began in the homes. They were home churches. 
And so you oftentimes may have in our, your mind, in our minds, big cathedrals or sanctuaries. No, they met in the homes because they were not often accepted. They were a new movement that was coming through because of who? Jesus Christ. And because of the death and the resurrection of the Lord. So it's not, uh, it's not clear just how many people, but he says there were many. Notes that they are insubordinate to authority. And as a result, they are, pro- they are producing and teaching that which is false. Do you not know the church has a mandate to tell truth even when people don't want to hear it? You realize that, right? My mandate is not to tickle your ears, nor to please you, nor to just give you the things that you want to hear. But it is to proclaim the word of God. And the word of God hurts. So sometimes I've heard in the past, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. (laughs) Paul lists three things. And identifies where the problem is mainly coming from. It is coming from the circumcision group at this point. And Paul is saying those that are Jewish that have become Christians, they are adding and giving a message that is antithetical to what we preach. Titus, when elders are put into place, you must silence them. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 13, to tie into this, says this so that you know the circumcision group. It says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles, who were Gentiles? Gentiles were everybody and anybody that was not Jewish. Gentiles included all of us. Gentiles in the flesh, and we were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which were the Jewish people, called those that were Gentiles uncircumcised because circumcision was a covenant that God made with Abraham in the book of Genesis. The covenant that God gave to Abraham and he says, Abraham, my covenant is going to be with you. And that covenant was first circumcision. You are to circumcise your household because you are going to be my special people. And so Paul here notes the uncircumcision, so those that did not have circumcision, but they were still coming. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time, you were separated from Christ. You didn't have a personal relationship. It did not come to you. You were apart. You are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. This is who you were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ, the blood that unifies both the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Understand this, you don't come to God with anything to offer. I know you want to offer something. He said, God, here, 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 I got to give this to you so you can accept me. He says, no, not good enough. You can't offer anything to God to be accepted. It is all by his grace. What he has done. 
satisfy the penalty for all time. The blood that continues to make clean. So the uncircumcised and the circumcised have to come the same way. And that's what the Lord was doing. He was unifying the church. Paul makes note that they are insubordinate, they're empty talkers, and they are deceivers. The idea of being insubordinate suggests that one is rebellious. Uh Uh-oh. And unwilling to come under authority. Do you know that's what rebellion really is? It's a person that is unwilling to come under authority. Nobody tell me what to do. (laughs) Say, when I turn 18, I'm going to be able to do my own thing. That's right. My own thing. (laughs) I'm going to be able to go where I want to go. No restrictions. Not in Reverend Small House. (laughs) See, I turned 18. Boy, I got to go. I got no transportation. Well, there's Golden Gate Transit. Let me head on down to the bus stop. Put my 15 cents in at the time. Paying what, three, four dollars to go up to Quarter Madeira. Now, go to the movies down to Fairfax. Now, what time the last bus come, y'all? Because <laughs> if you miss the last bus, you are stuck. Downtown Fairfax. <laughs> I found that when I had the freedom... There wasn't a whole lot to do because I wasn't the party type. Not, not locally, anyway. <laughs> and I found myself coming home earlier than I thought I would. Because there was nothing to do. So all this freedom I thought I had, I found myself bored. Well, let me go on home. But I found in this matter here, that I still had to be subject under, uh, the, under the authority of my parents. And even though I had freedom, there were still things that I had to do. You see, when you are rebellious, you're telling people that you don't have to do anything. But you do have to always still do something. You have to be under subjection to individuals or to your boss and definitely to God. All right? Now, it is clear with those that are rebellious that they are rebellious to others, but they don't want others to be rebellious to them. They want to be rebellious, but let me tell you this. What goes around comes back to you. Be very careful. The Bible says rebelliousness is just like witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15.23 First Samuel 15.23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In some Bibles it says divination, which is witchcraft. And stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. This is what Samuel was telling Saul. He has also rejected you from being king. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, Saul. He has also rejected you. Empty talkers, empty talkers, empty talkers. Uh, the Greek is mat e logoe. It is one who is an empty talker and it speaks of one talking and basically saying nothing. That's what it comes to. Empty talkers, one who is talking 
but saying nothing. This may be related to the Jewish mind of a person who was serving or thinking of an idol. Idols don't talk. Idols don't feel. But the idea was dealing with an heathen idol. Empty. (laughs) Then he says, deceivers. You see, if you are deceived, then you're going to teach others to be deceived. You understand me? Deception is something that you will pass along. Let me keep moving on here. Verse number 11, he says, Titus, they must be silenced. Since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. There is a great illusion in many churches today that correction should be avoided if it will cause people to leave the church. There's a great illusion in churches that if correction is needed and given, that one shouldn't do it if it's going to cause a person to leave. If that was the case, there would not be a first century church. And if there was not a first century church, it would be very hard to have a church as we stand today. Paul actually taught the word of God And told Titus and Timothy, you must teach and preach that which is right, regardless of what people are saying. Today in our culture, they will cut off your account, Facebook, Twitter, and everything else, if you don't say what is right, according to them. Then they'll take their own words, their own person, who says something different and cancel them too. Well, today the church better be in the cancellation business because they better tell the truth and the word of God. You better tell the truth. So what if you lose your Facebook account? Oh, Lord. Some of y'all wouldn't know what to do. Lord, have mercy. False teaching is dangerous to the body, and this is often misunderstood by those who sympathize with people on the wrong side of truth. you got to be careful of siding on the wrong side of truth. Paul tells Titus, Titus, don't you side with them, but you tell the truth. You come right down the middle. Cut it off. False teaching, let me tell you, doesn't have an expiration date. Hear me now. False teaching does not have an expiration date. When you get certain foods, you can stop the expiration date or the decaying process by putting it in the freezer. You see, when you freeze milk or food, the the food itself halts. Even though the date may say October 23rd, you put it in the freezer and it freezes, it will halt the process. All food has water. And when that food is put in the freezer, those crystals come to the surface and help to freeze the food. If that food is not properly protected, it will begin to change colors and you'll get a freezer burnt or freezer burn. That food will become freezer burnt. And you can leave it in there too long. And this is what happens. The moisture evaporates and oxygen fills that void. That's why food burns or becomes what we say freezer burn. The moisture evaporates. When you actually tell people that which is false, 
Whether it's frozen, fresh, thawed, it is the same. It's destructive. You see, when you take food out of the freezer and it begins to thaw, that process begins to speed up and it begins, once again, to resume. And if you leave it out, it will spoil. You understand that false teaching doesn't have an expiration date. (laughs) You can store a deceiver in any condition and it will result in the same outcome, spoilage. You hear me? A deceiver you can put in any condition. And the result will be the same, spoilage. Deceivers want company, and they will often engage others to be on their side. You see, deception is very, very dangerous. Why? Because it seems, and it's and it, what it wants, it wants to embrace that which is around and to bring others into their sphere. And one has to be so very careful. Because one doesn't understand that when you began to mess with the body of Christ, you are fighting actually against the Almighty God. And what Paul is telling Titus, he says, Titus, stop this, stop it, stop it, silence it. In, in the Greek, the word to silence actually means uh, to muzzle. Epistemizo, it means to bridle, to muzzle. When you muzzle a dog, when you put a bridle, when you put a bridle or something, a muzzle on something, you muzzle it, it means to stop it. He says, when you silence it, I want you to muzzle it, cut it off. If the family is damaged, it means that there will be multiple people affected. Now understand, he is speaking about, yes, the nuclear family, but he's not only talking about that. You see, there, were, there was more than one church on the island of Crete. Crete spanned about 170 miles. I think if I recall, 35 miles wide. But you see, there were churches on the island. And when Paul is writing, he's not just talking about one church. He's saying, Timothy, when you put elders into place, this is the standard for all. And so what Paul is doing, he is speaking about families that will be affected in the churches. Not just the one church. So you must silence and put into place that which I have called you to do. Verse number 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. The Cretan poet Epimenides. Epimenides, believe, was born around 600 BC in the 6th century. And it is stated that he is the one, this philosopher, who gave this statement. That Cretans, he says, when Paul says, one of your own, Paul goes back to the 6th century B.C. and said, do you not know one of your own philosophers said this? And then Paul says, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Epimenides, in verse number 12, this is what Paul is quoting from one of their own philosophers. He says, this is what he says. And so what is he saying? One of your own. He says, I'm not just saying this. This comes from your famed Philosopher Epimenides. He was revered. Paul was not calling all the Cretans this. But he was saying those that were causing such divisions, this is what and who they are. Verse 13 and 14. He said this testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply. To rebuke means in this case to put an end to. To stop something. It is to give a strong reprimand to. He says... 
that they may be sound in the faith. You see, he wants there to be truth. When correction comes, it is not to destroy, but it is for the purpose of restoring. I mentioned that last time. He says, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. The rebuke was to be swift, it was to be, and it was to be sharp. Remember, Paul is dealing with possibly here multiple churches or many churches that right now will be, that's being developed. And he wants to make sure that they develop and that they grow in the right way. We again see this matter of teaching myths that we even saw in the book of Timothy. But let me tell you this. The gospel message has to be preached today, which is Jesus Christ. Anything that's added to it in the sense of this is what you also need to have in order to be saved is actually false teaching. It is Christ alone. He is the hope of glory. It is the Lord who actually comes and he saves and he's the one in whom we have our life. It is not you plus baptism. It is not you plus this. Baptism is a confirmation that there's been an interchange here. It is to show that God has done a work. You see, there are many people that want to be baptized before they say yes to Jesus. No, that's backwards. That's back. No, no. Baptism is to show an inner conviction that, yes, I am going down in this water, identifying with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and rising out of the water to represent the fact that he rose from the dead. I'll be done in one minute. Brother George, get ready to come. False teaching is not your friend. Please get that. Paul is telling Titus about those who are going to be in leadership. Those that are members must be instructed in truth. Those that are members of the family must be instructed in the truth. Those that are in the church must be instructed in the truth. There must be no deviations. Let me say this as we close. There is a challenge today in our society, to truth. The Bible has made it very clear that sin is going to wax worse and worse. Sin is going to get worse and worse. Uh, People are saying, peace, peace, can we have... No, there can be, and as I always mention, there can be no peace without the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't exclude the King of Peace and the author of peace and have peace. You can't do it. He is the peacemaker. He is the peacekeeper. And if the Lord is excluded, what do you get? You get what we have today. Laws where they are not even being obeyed. The Bible makes clear that laws and government come from God. But when government doesn't follow the Lord, what happens? They began to show who they really follow. And it is not the Lord. When God's word is not followed, you have every type of chaos. And we see it growing and growing. So when we're praying, we're praying that God's will be done. And ultimately, what does that mean? Judgment. (laughs) Judgment. Why? Because the Bible says that God cannot tolerate sin. And this is what Paul is letting Titus know. Titus, God is not pleased with sin. There has to be correction. There has to be righteousness. There has to be Holiness. And so what does the church do? The church must be one that says, oh, we love you, but 
This is what the Word of God says. Our Heavenly Father, today, we are grateful to you that you are the Prince of Peace. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the bright and morning star. You are the Rose of Sharon. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord who never fails and cannot fail. You are the great and the forgiving God, the merciful God, the Holy One. You are the God of order. You are the God of love and discipline. We thank you, Lord, that your word remains the same. May we be a light that shines through the darkness. May we be a light that says this is God's world. This is who God is. And the church must show forth the glory of your name. Shine through us in such a way where the world will be convicted because of what they see. And say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be right with God? Lord, we thank you right now that repentance is what's needed. There needs to be a changed heart. And today we thank you for those that are here. We thank you for your great glory and your mercy. And again, when we leave this place, may the enemy not steal the word from us. But oh, may it be tucked deep into our hearts, into our very lives, so that when the enemy comes, we can just quote and say, Satan, you're a lie. (laughs) Go right back to hell and you won't be cussing. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.